Thank you for tuning in to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a church located in Lexington, Kentucky, with a heart for God and a vision for the gospel. I'm Derek Holmes, lead pastor. Right now we are in a series through the book of Colossians. So grab your Bibles and let's hear from the word. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Paul says this, he says, If you are then risen with Christ, or therefore, if you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Those things which are above in heaven, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your heart's passions on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Now the meddling starts. Mortify or put to death your members which are upon the earth. Fornication or sexual immorality, uncleanness or impurity, inordinate affection or lust, evil concupiscence. Well, good, I don't have to, be worried. I don't have to worry about concupiscence because I don't even know what that is. That means having inordinate passions and desires. And covetousness or greed, which all of this is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the time that you also walked in some time when you lived in them, but now you have also put off all of these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Jew nor, or Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and he is in all. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would be glorified in everything that is said and done in this time that we have in your word. Thank you for the worship that we've had for our kids, uh, how they just come and just, just give this pure heart of worship to sing to you. I pray that we would replicate that. Like you said, just let the children come to you. Give us hearts like children. We come to you and trust you and follow you. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to us through your word. And Father, while we realize that some of the things that we're going to be going over with may, be, may hit us really hard right where we live, un- we help us to understand that you tell us this and you give us this for our good and for your glory. So help us to receive it with an open heart and a recognition that you are our God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. You may be seated. And how many of you in here are, like, into fashion? Anybody into fashion? Um, as you can tell, I'm not really into fashion very much. Um, I still have, you know, I still have clothes from, like, you know, before I was born, actually. Uh, you know, I guess wearing vintage things are, 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 kind, of, are kind of cool now, I guess. But, um, you know, when I was younger, I cared a lot. I cared a lot about what I wore. Um, I was really into brands. How many of you are into brands? You're like brand loyal. There's brands of clothes and stuff like that that you like, like two people. All right. So this illustration is just going to fall dead as, as a doornail this morning, all right? Um, but there were certain brands that just said something about you, right? We, we, sometimes when we wear certain brands, it says something about you, all right? And maybe, maybe I'll get this. How many, how many of you are brand loyal, maybe not with your clothes, but you're brand loyal with your, like your technology, your computers and stuff like that? Okay. How many of you are brand, brand loyal with your cars? Okay, some of you. Brand loyal with your purses and your shoes. But when I was in high school, brands meant a lot. I was kind of like, I wanted to keep up with my friends, and it said a lot if you wore certain brands uh, and things. So, like, I grew up in the 90s, so there were, like, you know, Tommy Hilfiger and uh, Abercrombie and & Fitch. And then there was this one that was really cool, T-shirt brands, No Fear. You guys remember the No Fear T-shirts? Those things were awesome. Like, everybody's shaking their head like that. Okay, so I told you I wasn't really into fashion, so I didn't really wear uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff, right? So the one thing I really can't understand is high fashion. 
All right, I really can't understand high fashion. If you're into that, you do you, but there, the, some of that stuff is bizarre, right? Like you, go, you, you, you look at pictures from like uh, uh, from Fashion Week and stuff that goes on in Milan and Paris and all these fancy places. It's like, are these clothes or are they Halloween costumes? We really don't know which one it is. So like for instance, take, take a look at a couple of, uh, couple of these, all right? I mean, I don't know, but I think next week uh, our, our, our worship team should maybe recreate this fashion here. You just need to pick, figure out who wants to wear the mummy costume in the middle. That actually right there is, is, this is something that designers say people should wear on the street. Okay? I don't know what this guy's wearing an accordion over here on the, on the right-hand side. And I have no idea what the gumball machine is over the one girl's head in the orange there, okay? And, and these are just not practical, right? Because it's cold. It's getting colder and stuff, so you need to stay warm. So, like, maybe these next looks are what you want to go for, right? Because layers are usually key, right? So we got layers upon layers upon layers. You got boots that are, going, that are more pants than boots now, uh, stuff like that. So this will definitely keep you warm in the winter. Or if you really just are into being cozy and warm and you want to feel as warm and as cared for as a newborn baby, there's this number right here, hand crocheted by, by grandma, I think. But you know what? There's also something special. Everybody's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, right? You know, the, the classic sport coat combo. I think this guy missed it a little bit. He missed the look. Actually, this uh, Stacy snapped this picture when I was trying to figure out what I was going to wear this morning. Uh, this is me in the closet this morning. So, so anyway, but you see high fashion, we just don't get it sometimes. Some things are just not functional. Sometimes things are just not, uh, they're just not practical. But why do we put so much emphasis sometimes in our clothes and in the brands we wear, the brands we use? It's because they say something about us. They, they portray an image. We buy into this. This brand says an image. I, maybe I spent a lot of money on this brand, or I didn't spend a lot of money on this brand, or it tells you what generation you're in. I'm rocking a Docker shirt today. You can't get more dad fashion than Dockers. You know what I'm saying? My kids are not going to wear Dockers, but, man, I'm proud of this little logo right up here, okay? You can't get more loyal than that. One of the brands that I really like and I've always liked is is polo. I like it. They last forever and everything like that. But why do we put so much in- emphasis on that? It's because impressions are important. We want to make a good impression. And also because certain brands have the ability to communicate this lifestyle that we're trying to portray to people. And when you look through scripture, scripture actually uses fashion as a metaphor a lot. A lot of guys in the Bible, when God was using them to write scripture, they use the metaphor of clothing and fashion and what we put on to explain some spiritual concepts. Like in the book of Psalms, David talked about being clothed in the righteousness of God. So it kind of gives us that metaphor of putting on the righteousness of God and being covered in his righteousness. Isaiah said that God clothes us with the garments of his salvation, and he covers us with robes of righteousness to kind of describe that salvation just completely covers us head to toe. And his righteousness is like, it's like he takes and he gives us this robe that we, that we wear around in Isaiah 61. Peter talks about being clothed with humility in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul uses the metaphor of spiritual armor. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of, the spirit, uh, the sword of truth, and the, uh, the, the shield of faith. He talks about this armor and putting that on, the qualities and the characteristics that we should carry as, as we live our Christian life. In verse number 8 of our text and in verse number 10, Paul uses some fashion language that we may miss a little bit too. In verse number 8, Paul says for us to put away in the, in the Christian Standard Bible or in the CSB, or he says to put off 
in the KJV. He says to put off some sinful practices, and he uses this phrase in other letters as well. He writes to the Romans, he writes to the Corinthians, he writes to the Galatians and the Ephesians. In every one of those letters that he writes, he uses this phrase about putting off the old and putting on the new. So basically what he's saying is, if you're a child of God, there's a transition that takes place. You are no longer that old, dead person. You are a new creature in God. And so you are to put on these new robes, these new clothes of righteousness, the clothes of the believer. In other words, you're, it's time to switch brands. It's time to change, uh, to change what, you're, what you're wearing. In verse number 10, Paul says that believers now have put on a new man. In the Greek word, the, the Greek word there is endosemenoi, uh, which means to get dressed or to clothe yourself. The phrase on taking off is apodothemi, which means to take off or to undress or to put away some clothing. So here he's basically saying you need to view your spiritual life like you view your clothing. Because we may be saved on the inside, but a lot of times people can't see the heart changes taking place on the inside. But when the heart has changed on the inside, all the things that take place on the outside will begin to be seen as well. That's why the Bible says that we're known by our fruits. That's why it's wonderful for us to say that Jesus has covered our sin, Jesus has paid it all, and all to him we owe. But it doesn't mean that we just say, hey, I'm going to get saved, and I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to live it up, and I'm going to enjoy life, and I'm going to just debase myself in sin because it's all covered. It's all on Jesus. Now, there were a lot of people who were distracted by legalism. There were a lot of people who were distracted by ritualism and stuff like that going on in Colossians. And I think today we can tend to get into that too because there's a fine line between trusting in, our, in what we do and in trusting in the Christ that we do those things for. And that's the line that we have to kind of grab here because a lot of people look at Christianity and say, I don't want to follow all of those crazy rules. Christianity is not about falling under the bondage of a bunch of crazy rules. It's about being set free from the bondage of sin, and now I am able to live the way God truly created me to live. And so that's what the message is this morning. The title of the message is a cutesy title, really, but it's called The High Fashion of Heaven. That until we get saved, before we come to Christ, we're living in this lower-end fashion, this stuff that's just barely covering us, and it's doing no good for us. But after we get saved... We change clothes, and those clothes are better, and those clothes are different, and we don't need to go back to the other stuff. So in chapter 3, we get this lesson in spiritual fashion. So just as the clothes say a lot about us and the lifestyle that we're trying to project, the way we live and what we engage in say a lot about Christ and the new life that we have in him. We've died with Christ, it says, and we live again in him. This means that we die to flesh, and we put on a new way of living. So this week's focus is on what we need to take off. Next week, as we get into verses 12 through 17, we're going to be looking at what we need to put on. So there's three things that we need to consider from the passage we look at. The first thing is, if we're going to get a mind of the high fashion of heaven, we need to learn to reassess our style. We really do. How many of you like those makeover shows that they used, they used to do them? They, they, sometimes they do them now. Uh, Stacy used to really enjoy those and, and, and like those. Some of those are just, they don't keep up with it, right? They, they enjoy the makeover, but then they go right back to the way uh, they were. Some people really need a makeover. Can I get a witness? Right? There's some people you look at, like, I'd love to just turn them into one of those makeover shows. You may actually be looking at me right now and saying, yeah, yeah, we can get you a, a makeover and you look a whole lot better. There ain't much we can do up here, but we can do a lot around, a lot around here, right? Um, but have you ever noticed that your style, it, it kind of changes, or at least 
let me say, it should change the older you get, right? right? Like, like, I'm pushing 40. I don't need to be dressing like, you know, like the teenagers, like the guys in the Rise ministry and stuff. There's something about that that it just looks like you're trying too hard. You know, you like start walking down the street, like that dude is trying too hard. Or, you know, somebody needs to read him his birth certificate and stuff. You have, we've seen people like that that are not necessarily dressing the, the age that they are. Or sometimes you dress ahead of your generation. You know, like, you know, you've got people you think, are they, is, it, is it Generations Day and you're dressing up like grandma? And, and you, you just don't know. Generations have their own styles and they have their own, their own types of things there. So as you grow, you change your style a little bit. Your tastes change, your, your, your styles change. Sometimes you get a little bit, you, 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 you tend to get a little bit more conservative uh, as you get older, hopefully. You get a little bit more conservative with how, uh, with how you dress. What's interesting is, um, we also need to consider when we reassess our style what generation we're in, but we also need to consider um, that we need to reboot our wardrobe, that it's getting a little bit old and outdated and maybe, you know, stuff is starting to fall apart and you just can't wear that anymore. We were looking through some videos of the kids just a couple weeks ago as they were growing up, and we came into the section of videos where Noelle was like a baby. She was learning to crawl and all that stuff like that, and, and, and it was really embarrassing. Noelle looked at me. She was, Dad, you were wearing that same shirt yesterday. She's going to be nine in a month, folks, all right? So it's time to, like, put away some of that, some of that wardrobe that you had uh, from, from days gone by. And some things just get worn out over time, right? And they just, you just can't pass those on. So that's the idea of verses 1 through 4. Reassessing our style comes from verses 1 through 4. Look again. If you have been raised, and I'm reading right now from the CSB, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. These verses are basically telling us that we're not the same people that we used to be before we were saved. Hopefully that's something you've come. If you're saved, you've come to understand in your life that before you were saved, you were a different person. Now that you're saved, you are new. Now don't begin thinking that I don't feel all that different. Everything's, it's, it's not really changed as much as I thought it would. I thought when I got saved that angels would come down and like fan me with their wings and all of that type of, that stuff doesn't take place. But there is something that takes place inside of us that begins to show outwardly. And so when we're saved, things are new. And this passage gives us a lot of indication about our position in Christ. The first thing is that we're raised with Christ, the beginning part of first, verse number one. We're raised or we're resurrected from spiritual death to spiritual life. Nothing about us is the same. We're new creations in Christ. This means that we also go through a spiritual makeover. Our passions change. Our direction changes. It's not just about our eternal destination. Salvation and, and the Christian life is not just about getting to go to heaven when I die. It's the fact that I've been raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. For the first time in my life, I'm actually alive that there is power over sin and over temptation that I can now exercise in the name of Jesus Christ. Before, I was a slave to that. And so our desires should begin to change. We're raised with Christ. We're no longer of the world. We are of heaven. Our citizenship is no longer here. Our citizenship, our primary citizenship, is of heaven. We're also seated with Christ, according to verse number one. Since we're resurrected and we're raised with Christ, this means that we are with him, and where is Christ now? He's currently seated in heaven, which means the spiritual part of us is seated in glory with heaven already. 
that we are not to live our lives just with earthly eyes. This is why Paul says, look up. Don't just get so tied into all the stuff that's going on down here because you're not of this world anymore. You are of heaven. You are a child of the king. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, which means that you are ruling in heaven and reigning in heaven. Not one day. One day it will come to full fruition, but there's a piece of it now, which means that we don't have the same mindset, and we shouldn't have the same mindset today anymore. And what that also means is, if you're going to be the part, you need to act the part. Wearsby says this, our feet must be on earth, but our minds need to be in heaven. It's the best way that we live as Christians. We also have died with Christ. This is part of our, this is part of our position with him, too, in verse number 3. Why would he mention, why would Paul mention that we have died with Christ after he mentioned that we were raised with Christ? Because he's not just talking about the fact that we physically died. One day we will physically die, but we have spiritually died to the things of this world, meaning we have put those things away. Or more, more importantly, we have killed those things off, and we need to bury those things in our past. So we have died with Christ because it points to the things in verses 5 and 8 that we're going to look at in just a minute. Those are the things that we need to die to. When Jesus died here on earth, he died to cover our sin. He took our sin so that we could then cast it upon him. And so also later on what we see too is when Jesus died, but then when he rose again in John chapter 20, it makes mention in John chapter 20 in all of the resurrection passages of Christ Something very specific. The Bible makes mention of the grave clothes that Jesus wore when he was in the tomb. Jesus did not walk out with the grave clothes on after he resurrected. And that's very important for us to realize. Because you don't wear the clothes of death when you have eternal life. And church, we have been, if you have been saved, you have been given the robes of righteousness. Those are the clothes of eternal life. The sins of the flesh, the sins of the past, those are the grave clothes that still have the stench of death all over them. So we are dead with Christ, and just as we are dead with Christ, we need to cast off those grave clothes, and we put on the clothes of righteousness there. So our position is that we're dead with him, and that we are also hidden with him in the latter part of verse number, latter part of verse number three. It speaks of our security in him and our satisfaction in him. We're secure in Jesus that even the temptation of sin can be overcome through his power and through his strength. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't get tempted. We're always going to be tempted. The Bible says we all have besetting sins. And your temptation is going to be different than the person sitting next to you. Some people are tempted in one way while while others are tempted in another. Our temptations, the flesh is still going to be there. And we're going to battle that until we are physically in the presence of Christ as well. But right now our spirit has been raised to life. And we are empowered with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life too. So that when temptation comes, we are no longer shackled to just go and be jerked around wherever it wants to take us. The shackles have been broken to where now we can say, you know what? Temptation and sin, you can go that way, but I don't have to go with you anymore. You're not dragging me anymore. Because I am seated and I am hidden with Christ on high. And he's my satisfaction. And then in verse number four, we also see that we will live in Christ as well. Understand this. Our life, and it's very important to understand the language of Scripture there, it says Christ is our life. That means Christ is our source. He's the centerpiece. He's the foundation. He's the supply of life. Jesus is not just a peripheral accessory that we put on. 
He's not just like a necklace that we put on or some earrings or some nice shoes or a purse or uh, all of those things you would think that I'm dressing like a woman. But all of those accessories that are there. He's not a watch that you put on that you don't have to have. He is your life. We don't just add Jesus to an already good life. He is our life. What the, the biblical picture and understanding is we were dead before Jesus, and now because of Jesus, we are alive. He is the very source of our life. I love what Ravi Zacharias says. He says, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And that's what the problem with a lot of people today is they think, yeah, I mean, I was a good person before I got saved. And, you know, that's why we don't see much different because we already saw ourselves as being good before Jesus got there. Folks, we're not good. None are righteous. No, not one. We're not good. We are slaves to our sin. These things that we're going to see here in verses 5 through 9, those were our chains. Those were our shackles. Those were things that we had no choice, no say over, other than maybe some good old-fashioned willpower. But now we have way more than willpower. We have spirit power to be able to say no and to be able to cuddle up with Christ rather than cuddling up with our sin. Why? Because we're hidden with him and because he is our life. And then one day we will be glorified with Christ. One of these days, the struggle with sin, the struggle with temptation is going to all be gone. Because he's going to come, he's going to set his kingdom up, there's not going to be sin anymore, there's not going to be temptation, and there won't be any of this stuff to worry about anymore. But until that day comes, he's given us the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in his power. So the thing we need to do is reassess our style. What, what, what style are you wearing? The style is one of heaven now, not of earth. So let's look at verse 5, because the next thing that we need to do to have that high fashion of heaven is we need to trash our old clothes. We need to trash our old clothes. Look at verse number five. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, fornication or sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. So I said that we'd be meddling, so here it goes. Put to death all of these things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed. And he says that all of those things are idolatry. Some clothes you just need to throw away. You don't even need to pass them on because they're already past being worn ever again. I wear undershirts a lot, and, and like, there'll be holes that'll develop in them, and, and Stacy's like, just throw those things away, please. And for me, it's kind of like a badge of honor. I'm just going to keep on wearing them. You know, nobody sees it anyway. It's covered up by another shirt. But you see, there's some things that are really hard to let go of, right, because there's sentimental attachment. Or there's, you know, how, guys, be honest. You have a shirt in your closet that you still wore in high school. You do. Because there's sentimental attachment to it, right? Or there's something to it. You've still got your letter jacket in there. You've still got, you know, something like that. And your wife is looking at you like, you are insane. Get rid of that thing. But you're never going to do it. Why? Because there's sentimental attachment to it. It meant something to you. Let me ask you something. Should there really be sentimental attachment to sexual immorality, to impurity, to lust, to fornication, to covetousness and greed? Is it really becoming of a child of God who's been set free from the chains of those things to start going back and engaging in those things again? What he's saying is don't put them in the closet so you can go back to them when you just want to reminisce. He's saying get rid of them because you no longer need them anymore. It's no longer becoming of that. The King James, I love the way it says, has mortify your members. So it refers to our actual body parts, our members, our actual appendages. And not to be too graphic, but then he goes on to talk about sexual immorality. What he means is your spirit is of heaven, and so you also need to, now that you are controlled by your spirit, you need to bring your body under control as well. A lot of people today, that's kind of where we're at in our culture. We're confused. 
We don't know anything about it. We're all confused about our bodies, our identity, our sexuality, and all of those. I'm not, but there's a lot of people who are, right? There's a lot of people. And, and with, with due respect, that is part and parcel of a, of a society that denies the creator. When you don't have a creator and a designer, you don't know where to go to get the origin of the design. But here's the thing, too. We can't just sit and get mad and angry at that because we're guilty of a lot of that in in church today as well because there's a worldly influence that creeps in as well. He says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed. We're told all of this is idolatry. Why? Because all of these things rival Christ's preeminence in our lives. Because when we engage in these things, what we're proving is that Christ is not first in our lives. We're not honoring him with our lives, with our bodies, with our minds, or anything. I will not bring those things under the control of the Spirit anymore because I'm saying it's just taking advantage of the grace that we have. And this doesn't mean that these are the only sins that we avoid. It doesn't mean that they're worse than any other sins. I think it means that this was what Colossae was, work, was dealing with, and I think it just happens to mirror our culture a lot today. Because we live in a culture that is saturated with sex. It's saturated with sexual immorality and lust and materialism and greed and all of those things. This, the troubles that Colossi was going through are the troubles that we go through today. And those same troubles happen to kind of lead the way in church today. They creep in, don't they? And, and here's, here's how. Because they creep in a lot because surveys have shown that biblical standards for sex and sexuality have really begun to change and shift in the church at an alarming rate. Recent surveys show that many churchgoers have shifting views about things like cohabitation or living with one another before marriage, having premarital or extramarital sex, about sexual identity, about homosexuality. That Our views are beginning to shift a little bit away from the biblical stance, which is sex is, good of, is a good gift of God given inside the bonds of Christian marriage between one man and one woman for one lifetime. God's not against it. To read this and say God's against sex, he's not saying that. He's saying it needs to come within the framework that God has created. But many people today are shifting from that and saying, well, you know, I need to be true to myself and I need to all the, what we need to do is to be true to God. Surveys also reveal that a majority of men in the church struggle with pornography to the level of addiction due largely to the rise in mainstream acceptance of pornography and the widespread distribution of it on the Internet. Is that the word for sexual immorality here in our text is actually the Greek word pornaeia, which is where we get our word for pornography. So we're so obsessed with sex and we're so obsessed with sexuality and all of those things that it's become an idol. It's something that we rearrange and we sacrifice in order for us to have and in order for us to serve. So Paul uses the strongest language in how we should deal with this. He says, put it to death. Put it down. In other words, trash it. Don't even go back to it. Don't even put it on just to, for old time's sake. Because you now serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Those things are grave clothes. And wearing grave clothes will drag you to death. So we also see that there's some sins that we need to put away. In verse number seven, he said that we used to walk in these things. We used to live in them, but remember that the lens that we are to view all of this through, we're to view it through the lens is that I don't live in grave clothes anymore. I wear a fashion that is of a higher standard today. I wear a higher fashion, the fashion of heaven. So he says there's sins to put to death and then there's sins to put away. Look at verse number eight. He says, but now put away all the following, 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put off all of the old self with its practices. So in verse number 80, he lists this list of sinful attitudes, not so much practices anymore, but attitudes that lead to those things. And while many people may sit here and say, you know what, I ain't struggling with all those things that you were talking about just a minute in verse number five, but here's where we live in the tension a lot of times in church life is in this stuff. Because we make certain sins, we'll still hold them as taboo, is taboo, and you don't touch those things. But it's okay if we get angry, right? Because we can label it righteous indignation, right? It's okay if we start slandering one another. It's okay if we uh, have hatred in our heart because we can call it righteous indignation or just holding true to the God's standards. It's okay to have filthy language if I'm quoting somebody or if I'm just trying to relate to somebody. But God says right here, none of it is appropriate. Those are also the grave clothes. Those are also the clothes that have the stench of death in it. It's a lot easier to justify sins like greed. It's a lot easier to justify sins like lust and immorality than it is to justify sins like anger and rage and, and slander and dishonesty. Sometimes we even justify sins like slander in the name of venting. I just need to get this off my chest. Or someone just sharing a prayer request about somebody else. And we'll use filthy language, though it's not that big of a deal. It's just slang or it's just words that are common today. We're just stretching the truth. We're not lying. We're stretching the truth. We're not being dishonest or we're embellishing. We need to see our sins like God does. Sin is sin, and sin carries the death sentence in Scripture. First John gives us a great promise about God forgiving us. He says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess there in the language is homologeo, which means to say the same. So when I confess my sins to God, what I'm saying is, God, I'm saying the same thing about my sin finally that you have said about my sin all along. It's because when we're in sin and we're in habitual sin, what we do is we justify it and we turn our eyes away from looking at it through a biblical lens. We find a way to say, oh, no, God's okay with this. This is okay. Everybody, God, God would be okay with this. But homologeo means when I confess, I've come around to seeing it God's way. My question is, when was the last time? kind of anger, malice, filthy language. When it comes to all these things that we've looked at, when was the last time you came around and said, you know what, and checked yourself and said, God, help me to see this the way you do. Help me to see my life the way you do. Help me to understand the weight of those things. Because, no, if you're saved, those things aren't sending you to hell. But they can sure send others through your testimony. They can sure begin to give others an inordinate picture of Jesus Christ. That if Jesus has saved you and raised you to life, then we need to live as though we are new people. The Puritans were, were ones that were just so eloquent about the power of sin. And I love what Pastor James Jackson said just a few months ago. He said, we are far more prone to coddle our sin in today's culture than we are to hate it. Isn't that true? We are far more prone to coddle our sins and find excuses for them or loopholes for them than we are to hate it. We spend more time trying to find reasons that we should engage in it rather than trying to find the strength and the power to turn from it, don't we? Coming up with excuses as to why it's okay or God understands or he's making an exception in my case. The old, we have to take a look at our sin just like Jesus does. The old sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards back in the days of the Puritans. Here's how he wrote about sin and the results. He says, the bow of God's wrath is bent. The arrow is made ready for the string. 
and justice bends the arrow at your heart and strains at the bow, and it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being drunk with your blood. So, man, that's graphic. I didn't write it, but this is the way preachers used to preach when the, enlightenment, when, when the Great Awakening came back in history. There was an understanding that sin kills. And just because we're saved, it doesn't mean that it doesn't still have a deadly effect. It may not have a spiritually deadly effect, but it will kill your relationship with Christ. It will kill your testimony with the world. It will kill your fellowship with the brethren. There are a lot of people today that say, I don't want to go to church because I know I'm going to be uncomfortable because conviction is going to fall. And trust me, this was not a fun message to preach. Probably not a fun message to hear, but it's something we need to be reminded of. Sin has a deathly stench to it. And sin will carry us places we don't need to go and want to go. And God still expects holiness in his church. God still expects holiness of his people. We don't just talk about our sins like they did, like Jonathan Edwards did anymore. We think that God is just up in heaven waiting for us to say, oopsie, we're sorry. And then God will overlook it. No, that's not how it works. Our sin cost God his son. So God just can't say, oh, that's all right, no biggie. And what God says is, I've got to take that sin, and I've got to apply my son's blood to that. He had to turn his back on his son because of our sin. We need to be reminded of that a lot. And then let that sink in and say, okay, the sin that I'm just trying to say is just an oopsie or it's not that big of a deal. We need to ask ourselves, where is God, where is Christ in the, in, in the grand scheme of my life? Because we've been talking about his preeminence. So if Christ is preeminent in the church, that means he reigns supreme in his church. If Christ is preeminent in your life, he reigns supreme in your life. And you accept the high fashion of heaven. And the last thing, and this is just in conclusion, so as we get ready to move to our invitation, the last thing after we reassess our style, we trash the old clothes, the next thing we do is we need to embrace the new style that we've been given. Have you ever tried a new look, a makeover, something like that? You tried something new that you normally wouldn't wear? Um, My wife has always been on me because I kind of tend towards wearing drab colors. So she's always like, you know, wear some bright colors. When I first started doing that, I kind of felt weird. I felt like people were always looking at me and stuff. I kind of felt awkward. And the new style in our text is not one that we need to feel awkward about. It may feel awkward because temptation from the old man will still creep in. And sin is enticing. All of those things, the reason the warnings have to be given so much in Scripture is because it's so enticing to our flesh. And we have to be reminded time and time and time and time again, this may look good, it may feel good, it may seem good, it may be widely accepted where you live, but it still is going to kill you. It's still going to have a deadly effect, so be reminded of that. So it's going to feel weird at first, but the closer you get to Christ and the more you embrace him, the more you find the power to be able to say, that was the old me, this is the new me in Jesus Christ. Not because I'm stronger, because I've just got a way to just will it away, but because I draw close to Christ. I grew up in the day of the purity gospel, really, the, the day of, of, of true love weights and all of that. And as a teenager growing up, as a, as a Christian teenager, it really became about, you know, maintaining your sexual purity. And that became like the most important thing. I had friends, it's like, as long as they maintain that, they could do anything and everything else. Their parents were okay with that, but just maintain that sexual purity. Listen, that's just one thing along the line. 
And what that did was it deified that and made it something like that. Oh, man, it's just, gonna, it's just always on my mind. And it changes along the way. But we have to understand that we have a new, man, a new creation. And that the closer we draw to Christ, and, and my life became more about try not to do this, try not to do this, avoid this, avoid this. And it wasn't about draw close to Christ and he will empower you to walk with him. Because when you walk closely with him, you don't go there. It's about walking with him, not about just buckling down and saying no to everything. You find the strength to say no. You find the strength to walk with Christ when you're close to him. So focus on that. See, the new style is the image of Christ. We've put on the new self in verse number 10. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. The new fashion that we wear is the image of Christ. The spirituality of Christ, the holiness of Christ, that's the image we're being conformed to every single day. So if Christ is preeminent in your life, your desire reflects his image and his nature more and more more every day that he gives us. And the popular mantra today is, I just want to be the best version of myself that I can be. You ever heard that one? That's the popular, I just want to be the best version of myself that I can be. That's wonderful. But let me, let me include this. The best version of you you'll ever be is the best version of Christ you'll ever portray. The best version of you you'll ever be is the best version of Christ that you can reflect to people. And this new style, lastly, and, and as we go into our invitation, it bonds us in Christ. A lot of times we choose our style because it's what gives us, it's a way of self-expression. You know, this is the style I have because this says something about me. Well, the new style of heaven, the fashion of heaven, isn't about us. It's about him. It's about the image of Christ being portrayed. And it also has a bonding effect. And that last verse, in verse number 11, when he says there's not circumcision, there's, there's circumcision, uncircumcision, Jew and Gentile, bond and free, Scythian and barbarian and all that he says, what he's saying is, in Christ we are all the same. And so we cast off all of these ideas of superiority over other people because of a social class or because of a color of skin or because of a gender. In Christ, there is no distinction. We are his, and he is ours. And so the question this morning as we go to the invitation is this. Are you his? Do you know Christ as your Savior? And after hearing a message like this, you might think, (laughs) I don't know if I want to be saved because... That's a lot of stuff to have to live up to. Matter of fact, Pastor, I'm kind of enjoying some of the stuff that was on that list. So if I got to give all that stuff up to come to Jesus, then I don't want to do it. Now, I'm not saying you have to give it up in order to be saved. Jesus will save you. But once you're saved, he begins to work in you. And you find that all that stuff begins to pale in comparison as you grow in him. But if it doesn't, you've got to ask yourself, close have I been walking with Christ? And that's the the second question. Am I saved? And number two, have I thrown that stuff away in the power of Jesus because you cannot do it any other way? Or am I still just kind of going to the old closet and picking that up sometimes? Because every time you do, it carries the stench of death and it reminds you of the old man. And it diminishes the relationship that we have with him, with his people, and with those that we're supposed to be reaching So as we go to this time of invitation, it's a time of response. If there's things in your life from this list that we were looking at this morning, immorality, impurity, lust, greed, idolatry, anger, hate, all those things, if there's anything from that list that you know you're carrying, lay it down before him today and say, God, 
I take it off and I'm putting you on. If you're not saved, take off the old man today and be saved today. Be clothed in his righteousness. Be sealed to heaven today. In Jesus' name.